warship, an airship, a submarine combo, drilling through caverns and into your screen, it's Atragon. Coming at you, man. <laughs> Atragon coming at you, man. I don't really know if there's a roar that we can use for this theme song, Alex. Um, no, I, maybe just some <laughs> bubble sounds or something. Some some um, bubbles, a drill. We'll just make our own sound effects. Just I'll blow some bubbles. You get your you get your power drill. All right, there we go. We've got the theme song. <laughs> Uh, well, welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast. Uh, we are the bargain basement of the Kaiju podcasting airwaves, and we're still trying our best to stay alive. I'm Eric. And I'm Alex. <laughs> and this week, Alex, we have got a film that is pretty much unlike any film I think we've watched yet. Uh, I would agree. It, it definitely had a unique feel to it that I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we get into it? you have anything else? We. we any 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 news to share with us, man? Any, any news? Yeah, any any uh, personal news? Personal news. Uh no, you know, life is 2020 and 2020 is pretty <laughs> boring. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty boring. It's been eventful but not in any of the right ways. <laughs> yep. Yep. And and you're making fun of me for last week, Alex. Sam Mothra was the highlight of my week. <laughs> it's true. Mothra it's might true. have been the highlight of my 2020. I don't know. <laughs> now, was Manda, or not Manda, was Atragon Manda, the highlight Atragon. of this week? Ooh, well, uh, no. <laughs> but let, let's jump into it. I'll do our film introduction, Alex, and I'm curious what you think about this question I have for you. Okay. All right. Released in 1963, Atragon could follow the lead of other movies in this G-adjacent series, this miniseries we've been in. But it definitely doesn't. Um, while it does feature Monda, I'm not sure if I would categorize this as a monster movie. So mm-hmm. let me ask you, Alex, is this a movie about submarine warfare? Is it a movie about patriotism? A movie about filmmaking? Or is it really, again just a movie about a monster well this is definitely not just a movie about a monster <laughs> i mean you, you you're right manda manda barely even shows up in this thing and he's very quickly dispatched mm-hmm. like, like in the blink of an eye but what makes this movie unique though is how it progresses through the story i think it actually maybe some of the themes we've talked about a few weeks ago, I think it actually kind of maybe mixes it up a little bit because there is no monster <laughs> mm-hmm. in a little mm-hmm. bit of a way. But uh, I think it's the themes of this film that it dips its toes into. Like you said, the patriotism, the submarine warfare, maybe even filmmaking. Uh, I, I'm mm-hmm. not quite on board with that one. I want to hear if, if you have opinions on that. I do want to hear them. Mm. Um, but I mean, it definitely does t- go into a bit of like, some individuals thirst and and need for endless war, uh, Mm -hmm. the devastating use of weapons, uh, patriotism versus duty to the family. 
Uh, things like this are really interesting questions that I don't know we've really quite seen before, at least not depicted in this way. Now, yeah, it dips its toes in. Some of it, it wades in a little deeper than others. But I do, I will say this. It does put in the effort, success or fail, to try to portray these messages in an interesting way. Hmm. And I can appreciate it, whether it did succeed or not. Yeah, yeah. No, I, so I think this film both succeeds and falters in this premise that I'm not quite sure exactly what it is. Um, <laughs> on the one hand, it feels fresh and original, like we've stated. And on the other hand, I think this is a movie that could be about any, all, or none of those topics that I just mentioned in the introduction. To me, the film's opening two scenes are the best in the movie. <laughs> it establishes this, this like film noir feel and mystery almost immediately. And I love that. I mean, how ridiculous is the opening setup, really? You know, I love, I love that upside down photograph that is flipped on its head because it mirrors mm-hmm. the experience of the viewer while watching this beginning because we don't know what exactly is going on. And it feels like the scene itself is turned on its head. And at that point, to get to the, the question that you asked about filmmaking, I was thinking maybe this will be an interesting film kind of about filmmaking and subverting our expectations. I just don't think it played off that way. I was hoping it did, <laughs> but that was, that was, that was kind of it. And I wish it, it played more into that because I liked that element from the very beginning. Um, but you're right. As this film progresses, it raises a lot of questions. And I don't think it provides a lot of answers, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I don't expect a film to give me an answer. But I also right. don't think it explores the nuance of the topics that it brings up, which might be the problem. And some of those questions, you mentioned a couple. But for example, like, what is the value of patriotism when it means sacrificing family? What is the cost of an endless and relentless back and forth war? What happens when generations past seemingly can't accept change in reality of the president, of the present <laughs> <laughs> what what happens <laughs> of the president of the Mu Empress? No. <laughs> what happens when generations of the past can't accept the realities of the present? Right. Mm. All these questions are brought up. Uh, I just don't know if they're explored uh, fully. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I think what's interesting is the captain is the one that most, if not all, of these themes are bounced off of. In at least somewhat interesting ways. Some of them do, I think, succeed. But I will say that I was actually pretty invested with how his relationship with his daughter, Makoto, would play out. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. Mostly because of how well acted the commander is. The way he subtly looks at his daughter the first time. Mm -hmm. And you could tell that there's like that almost emotional tinge, but it's very faint. And then immediately he's back to his old self and doesn't even hardly acknowledge her. I, I, I think he really sells that role. And then in doing so, I think he sells that patriotism versus family question. Now I think you're right. It's not quite answered. I mean, obviously he ends up going with his daughter, but I do like how some of these things end up playing out. I like that the world as a whole takes a bigger bigger precedent over just one country for the commander. Mm-hmm. And that is the big realization for him is that it's not about just his country. It's not about the selfish war anymore. It's about the world as a whole. And it's something that he just cannot grip for quite mm-hmm. a while in the yeah. film. 
Uh, but another one of the characters I like are the filmmakers that get that wacky intro that you mentioned, where mm-hmm. it, it, it just immediately makes them really endearing. I don't know if it's the characters themselves or just this really odd situation. <laughs> yeah. But I just really like it. But really, the folk the focus is on the captain and the daughter, and weirdly, the boyfriend who just kind of <laughs> shows up to say things when it's convenient. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not really buying into him quite so much, but I think the most interesting character overall is the Moo civilization. <laughs> it is like so deliciously futuristic yet ancient. Mm-hmm. The colors mm-hmm. are all like really beautiful. We had to sit through that way too long dance scene, but it's just that was a great we get scene. to great scene. we get to we get to spend more time in that awesome set mm-hmm. that just yeah. looks great. Like it kind of looks like Mothra's Infant Island, but if you knocked it up ten notches <laughs> in yeah. terms of production value, it just yeah. it really sells everything, and it really helps sell the Queen of Mu, who I don't know if she's much of a character until her final moments that really cement her as something memorable in the film. And really, actually, in just for a few moments, make her sympathetic towards the enemy. Hmm. Well, I, I like the point that you make about, and I, I think the point that you make about patriotism versus family and the way that that is acted between father and daughter here, I do mm-hmm. think that is the most developed theme in this film. And I really like that part. The issue I have with the other the other theme, I'll talk about here in a second. And that's this, this idea that uh, the captain is... is pushing off his nationalism in order to, you know, help the world as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yes, that sounds great, <laughs> right? I'm all on board for that message. There's just a couple problems, right? <laughs> uh, uh, which we'll talk about. And I'm with you with these characters. I think they're interesting. And the captain's reveal scene, you know, where he enters is certainly a standout scene. And he is the protagonist in the story. Mm-hmm. I just struggle to call him a hero. Yeah, um, I understand. I do... And I do want to praise the sets. You're right. Like the sets, the costume and effects. I mean, seriously, what other movie are we going to get Kenji Sahara and Akihiko Harada shirtless side by side? Oh, yeah. Dream dream team. (laughs) I mean, dream team (laughs) in the Moo Empire here. I mean, it's awesome. And the Moo Empire is engaging because they aren't alien. They're distinctly human in some of the worst ways. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Their persecution complex and their appeal to Manda is just a bit pitiful. But I like the idea of this society that wants to take over the surface. Is it Godzilla versus Megalon that has that same idea? Right. Yes. Yes. And then we we also get the kind of taking back the surface language in a few different Ultraman, uh, Jisoji Ultraman episodes, Mm -hmm. if you remember those. Yes, they're very good. Oh, yeah. And despite, you know, a couple flaws here. With the Moo Empire, I don't find myself rooting against the Moo Empire. And that leaves me scratching my head a little bit because I don't think Honda portrays them sympathetically at all. And yet I still have to have sympathy for them because they are human, right? And I find the utter destruction by our crew of heroes of their civilization kind of horrifying. Mm -hmm. And the ending, the ending certainly hints a bit at this moral ambiguity. It's similar, very similar to how Rodan ended, isn't it? You know, but Mm -hmm. it's different. It's different to me because we have that moment of contemplation and those mixed emotions. I'm just not sure if those mixed emotions are earned as much here, though they should be right. They should be more earned because we're dealing with 
a human civilization. <laughs> they, they, they should, they should be. I think, like you were saying, that I think your sympathy is really rooted in those final moments with the Moo Queen. Like I said, where we feel that sympathy when she swims back, and we via uh, the captain, we know that she's going there to die. The civilization that just got completely wiped out in a genocide, essentially. Uh, <laughs> on one hand. They may, uh, like, in their whole plan, they may have understood what was about to transpire with their destruction. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it went further than they had anticipated. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, you know, uh, and, and Alex, I, sorry to interrupt you for a second. You know, thinking about it, like, it is such a tough balance to, to have, right? Because mm-hmm. Honda's not going to want to portray his heroes as the bad guy, right? Um, <laughs> but. Yes. And so, like, like how much can you humanize the Moo civilization without making your heroes into the bad guys? I just mm-hmm. think that would have been a little bit more interesting if he did, right? Yeah. And there's a little bit more like, should we be doing this sort of idea, which which didn't really come up until that final scene, which I think was just a little too little too late sort of situation. Right. Yeah. And, and again, you know, there are these themes that, varying degrees of success again we get this captain who no longer obsessed with japan patriotism which is i think the weakest element of his obsession with japan's patriotism in terms of in relationship to a global view of helping the world Mm -hmm. i don't feel like we are sold the global view we are we are sold him trading that patriotism for his family i do i do kind of buy into that but then we also have this ship that he's driving that's like kind of an equivalent to a nuclear bomb in a mm-hmm. way. And it manages in a way to join the world stage. He manages to join the world stage essentially by horrifically doing something good for humanity while committing a genocide. <laughs> so, that, which is really weird because there's one thing I have to keep reminding myself when I keep thinking about mm-hmm. what happened to the move civilization. And I have to keep remembering that they are going to wipe out all of humanity on the surface. And I, that's something that is portrayed earlier on in the film. And that, that sense of doom doesn't really pervade through the film in a way to remind you like what they're doing is necessary yeah. for their own yes. survival. Yeah. And I think that's really something that has to be kept in mind because I don't know if the film manages to do it well enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for that's, us. The ish- that's the issue, you know, like yes. it's a tone, it's a tone issue, I think. Yeah. Um, it has a tough time balancing its tones. Yeah, yeah, but speaking of destruction though, I wanted to mention how amazing some of it is. Like <laughs> these cities mm-hmm in particular are like, this is the largest scale of destruction that we have seen all at one time. And it is really impressive. (laughs) Like I I can't believe how many small pieces are moving and falling apart and crumbling in just this really cool way that feels like something underneath the ground is destroying them. Mm -hmm. And then this film also ends with this wall of debris, smoke, and fire from the Moo civilization that completely contrasts with the blue ocean. And it's just this excellent moment. I I do. I do like the end. I do like the end. I want to like it even a little bit more, (laughs) I think. But because of my issues, I, I just I haven't been sold on it yet. But I think you're right about the technical aspects. They're super impressive. Atragon. Right, this this uh, unique and 
new warship looks extremely impressive. Mm-hmm. The miniatures are top notch and the destruction of the miniatures feels absolutely real. And it, they may not be destroyed in, in quite as a creative way as we saw in maybe Rodan or Mothra, mm-hmm. but it still feels impressive. And I love that aspect. And then if a Kube's score, again, it underscores the action taking place some, and sometimes with quite the bang. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was actually the score for Atragon, the ship, that got me thinking, Alex. Um, because the score, to me, feels like the Godzilla theme, but with a bit oh. more optimism and patriotism, but still has that menacing undertone. And so it got me thinking, you know, what is the monster in this film? And I know the film's title, Atragon, <laughs> has like a, t- a huge backstory of like why it's called Atragon. Uh, and I know nothing was intended in this. But I, I, I wondered why this film was called Atragon from the start and not Monda, you know. But mm. then we figured out what Atragon <laughs> was, and it made sense considering the film poster. Right. But then I'm like, well, why would you depart through the trend of naming the movie after your monster unless it didn't, mm. right? And Atragon <laughs> is the monster, which I think yeah. I can make the case for, right? Oh, but, no, I think uh, you would have a really easy case yeah, to exactly. make right there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And now I, if you ask a, a film historian, they're going to tell you like there's um, or, or any of the any other podcast, someone that knows more than us, which is just about everybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they'll tell you the history of this, this name, um, and mm-hmm. all the ups and downs and twists and turns it had. Um, <laughs> they, they'll end up saying something like, actually, their monster band was supposed to be on the front of the poster, but Atragon, <laughs> well, they lost the rights to put the name on there. And so Atragon just got slapped on at the last minute. <laughs> did you did you just make fun of like 99% of our listeners, Alex? <laughs> I did. <laughs> they know I love them. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a, I don't know. That wasn't anyone in particular. <laughs> yeah. We'll just say it was David. We'll just say it was David. <laughs> this makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, for those people that do still want to listen to us after we made fun of you, uh, you can join us on MVM Plus today. Uh, that's where our, our bargain basement club members get to listen to more conversations where hopefully we don't make fun of them. Uh, no, Alex. we don't make fun of our fans. <laughs> Alex, I, just, <laughs> I know it's all it's all in love. I'm just messing. Uh, I'm just saying we miss a lot. <laughs> we miss a lot, and, we, really and we are we are aware, <laughs> and we enjoy being educated. Honestly, mostly we really by Kiyoe. Yeah, we really do. So, even though Alex was making fun right there in a joking sort of way, we do want to hear from you and what we got wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> now, oh man, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but as I was saying, Alex, you can join us over at MVM Plus, uh, where our Bargain Basement Club members get to listen to more of our conversations if you can handle it. Uh, <laughs> this week, Alex, wh- wh- what do we want to talk about? I-, I have one thing I want to talk about. I want to oh, talk boy. about this uh, Daniel Kaluuya Barney film. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> what else? Lord what else should we talk mercy. about? Uh, I actually watched. Um, so everyone's going to kill me for this, especially if I just made fun of all of them. But uh, Mega Monster Battle Galaxy Ultra Super Salt and Pepper. Uh, yeah, I saw gonna... that that big movie. Um, 
It was excellent. So I'm kind of working my way through Zero's Ultraman storyline, and I'm going to talk about it. I honestly uh, don't even understand what came out of your mouth for the most part. So well, I'm interested in what you have to say there. <laughs> it's just a really long movie title I can't remember all of. But it's <laughs> <laughs> essentially, I wanted... So I'm watching through the series. I'm get I'm too geed, and mm. I want to know more about Belial and Zero because they play a part in geed. Yeah. And so I've gone back to kind of see what that storyline's all about, and that's my current journey. Nice, I like it. I like it, Alex. Uh, all right, well, let's jump into our next segment. Um, and. If you're interested in that MVM Plus, you can find it over at patreon.com slash MVMPod. But our next segment, Alex, Monsterpiece Theater, The Return. <laughs> it has been, been, so it has been quite a while. It's been quite a while. Um, just as a quick reminder to our listeners, uh, here's what we do. We take one of the films that we've covered in <laughs> the past and it just sort of take a random scene from a random film that we've covered in the past. So at this point, it could be any Godzilla film, any Gamera film, uh, one of the first three Toho films we've seen. And basically, we butcher it, right? It's a monster piece. It's a monster yeah. piece. And sometimes, occasionally, we, we have small little uh, tokens of appreciation. Um, mm-hmm. And we, yeah. we are work, still, we're working on I still on haven't something. heard of the end of it from Travis at Kaiju I, Weekly. I, I know, I know. I'm wor- we're working on something here. So, so if you know the answer to this, if you know the answer to our monster piece theater, please send us a message, um, and we will uh, put you in contention for something that that's in in the works right now. That's that's what I'll say. I saw one of the lines of dialogue already, Eric, and I know exactly what movie this is. <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, you are person A. Okay. And and specific names have been taken out uh, and replaced, just to let you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. right. And, oh, yeah, you can send us a message, by the way. Sorry. You can send us a message if you know this <laughs> film on Twitter, or you can send an email to mvmpod at gmail.com. All right, Alex. Uh, and right. action. A $65 million. Oh, oops. <laughs> A sixty-five and, million <laughs> and action, man. This this podcast has crumbled apart since you started making fun of people. I, it's because I can't get out of my head about how bad I feel. Um, a, and a, action, a sixty-five million year old egg. Incredible. Who are you? How do you do? I'm Alex. Um. Which new to agency? Well, actually, I'm a Pteranodon fan. This place is off limits to unauthorized personnel. Isn't it okay for me? I work for the government. But but you have to leave. Hey, do you think it will hatch? This is fun. Romantic, isn't it? In scene. <laughs> Very romantic, Alex. Your delivery mm-hmm. there was certainly romantic. And if you know the answer to that, do send us a message and let us know what film we just monster pieced. <laughs> but let's go ahead and jump into our awards. Alex, coolest character, who'd you have? I had the Moo Queen. Mm. Uh, mostly just because of her commitment to her civilization at the end of the film. 
mm-hmm. is pretty commendable, I guess. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. she's going back to go home and essentially die. Maybe check and see if anything survived, but die. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, pretty cool <laughs> pretty cool you chose a cool character alex <laughs> well, she's my, got that awesome hair she does she does my uh character is moo agent 23 it is moo agent 23 right yeah i think so i think it is <laughs> moo agent 23 played by none other than akahiko harada and you talk about commitment alex there's that scene where uh, in full suit, he dives it back into the ocean to get away, yes. and I just love that scene. That's <laughs> to me, that's like my 2020 in a nutshell. You know, it's just <laughs> trying to get away, jumping into the ocean uh, yeah. in a full suit. You know, that that's a sums up 2020 for me right there. <laughs> I hear you. Um, Plus, he looks great in a suit, and he looks great in uh, you know his tribal gear. You gotta love yeah, it. He, I mean, well, he looks great no matter what, you know. He does. He he, he really does. I mean, it's just such a different character for him. It, when you talk about you know some of these actors that we see <laughs> in all these films, Harada is one where you're not sure what role he's going to play ever. It's true. <laughs> because, he's not playing a similar role most. He times. plays so many different roles, whereas lots of others play. Very similar roles, you know? Yes. Yes. Uh, for sure. I mean, I, I always think about him playing in Terra Mechagodzilla, that uh, oh, ridiculous yeah. mustachioed. So good. So good. <laughs> just think about his filmography for a second, and he just has so many different characters. It's great. Yeah, he's pretty great. Uh, what about your most memorable line award? So my line, I, I believe the character's name is Yoshido. He's like the, he's a camera guy, I do believe. And he says, so now I have to be a detective, huh? And is this, is this line at the beginning of the movie um, after he's been asked to, to find the license plate uh, at the beginning? You remember that part? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I love that line um, because to me it represents kind of where we're at as an audience at this point, like we are becoming detectives. Like this is what the movie is asking us to do. It's asking us to become a detective to, to try to solve this mystery and to solve these first couple scenes and, and how they're going to play out. I wish, Mm -hmm. I wish, I wish this element carried on a little bit further, but I I really like that kind of uh, self-awareness right there. And that kind of wink at the audience. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. What about you? Uh, Mine was at the end of the film where we, where this moment I keep referencing is when the Moo Queen swims off into the distance. Mm -hmm. And what I really like about just the whole scene is that they've got her captive on the Atragon and she turns and runs away and the captain doesn't even turn to look at her. Mm. He immediately knows what she's going to go do. And she goes, she dives into the sea and he he says that essentially she's going down there to die. And I, I just, I think that's just such a cool moment. I mean, it goes with the effects too, that are really well done. Like, especially her swimming out there. It, yeah, it's he, just the whole thing. He, he says something about how um, he's, she's not going to abandon her people. Yeah. She's, she's returning to her, to her to the people. Let her go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 great. I I do like that part 
my issue again is just I feel like the movie has otherized her like throughout like she she never got a moment of humanity really um right. <laughs> you know whenever she gets onto the ship it's all you have no sympathy for her nor do I have sympathy for the captain that just go back and forth and like you're gonna lose no you're gonna lose it's just it's just childish you know mm. um so yeah. I, I don't know I, I I'm conflicted about it but no, I, I, I agree. It, that moment is is cool. I think it humanizes him in this weird way because he is, you know, he's letting a prisoner of war go. Yes, yeah, she's going to go perish, but it does show a semblance of humanity, I guess, that he hasn't shown for most of the film in a mm. weird way. But well, yeah. what about your can't believe that acting award? Uh, <laughs> uh, Captain Hachiro. Uh, Gucci. Again, you deserve you deserve to be made fun of, Alex. uh, As we both do, Gucci. I know, I know. Um, (laughs) So uh, the reason he is my best acting, or can't believe that acting award, is because of that moment I mentioned earlier, where he looks at his daughter and just gives this ever so slight acknowledgement of her. And you feel like he's going to have that moment where he goes towards her and then he imme- he abruptly turns his attention away and just completely ignores her. And we, we, sleep, we see these small moments of emotion from this hardened military man. And I just, I think he just does an excellent job throughout the entire film. I, I don't really have any complaints from his acting with that character. He is, he is absolutely fantastic. I, I really do like him uh, in that role. Uh, and his acting in that role. He does a great job. Mm. My mo- my can't believe the acting award can be summed up with three words, Alex. <laughs> oh, three boy. words. Bearded Kenji Sahara. <laughs> Done. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you need? That's it. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I didn't recognize him at first, to be completely honest. I had no yeah. idea. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, a beard. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I was the same way. I did not. I could not tell who it was. Well, with the sunglasses first. and the beard, I had no idea. I'm like, <laughs> who is this mysterious character? Like, yeah. I mean, I figured he was Mu for a long time. I mean, that wasn't a right. crazy reveal in any way. <laughs> no, but, no, it wasn't. But because there were two reporters at that point, you're like one of these reporters is. It was. It wasn't the best setup, but no, no. It's pretty obvious which one of them is the bad one too. I mean, it is pretty obvious. Bearded Kenji Sahara. That's all I've got. That's that's can't believe that acting award. Yeah, that 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 whole plot line is kind of the weak. One of the weaker parts of this film, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because it's you see it coming a mile away. Why does this guy keep wandering off? Oh, I wonder. <laughs> Why does he know so much? I wonder. Um, <laughs> Why does he keep taking your... pictures of Atragon? <laughs> exactly. Uh, what about your uh, standout effect? So my standout effect is the Atragon drilling effect, which we see a couple different times. Um, I, I just think it's realistic almost in, in the way that, that it works and it looks real. And, and we get those shots that – it doesn't just like show the beginning of it drilling through the wall and then like cuts away and it's through. It like shows it go all the way through. Um, 
which is cool. Like, it's just like, it just lets the camera sit there. It lets the mechanism take place and it, it adds to the realism of the shot. So mine was the Atragon drilling effect. It, it's a really cool effect. My, mine was the, the entire, when they had the entire city attacked by the Moo and you actually see it, it's not just one of those newspaper headlines and it is just completely devastating. And the, you, the way you get to watch the whole city crumble, like it lurches upwards and then crashes down and everything uh, folds. It is just a really impressive spectacle, especially mm-hmm. compared, like we've seen great detailed effects, but we haven't seen the scale. And I really yeah. like that. It was a huge, yeah, the scale is huge. You're right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what about your, oh, that's a good shot award? Uh it's it's that ending shot that I mentioned where we get that wall of red debris and fire and smoke with uh, the Moo Queen swimming out to it. And then we have that blue ocean in contrast to all, all everything that's on the horizon. And it's just this really cool shot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to go with that one, Alex, because I did like that. I mean, it was just to see the explosion and the destruction it was magnificent in the worst sort of way, right? Because you knew what <laughs> right. was happening. But it was it was really uh, well done. But I'm going to go with a shot. Since you took that one, I'll go with the shot that's closer to the beginning. Um, and it's this long shot we get when uh, Moo Agent 23 it has kidnapped... Um, what's her name? Um, oh, uh, M- Makoto? Makoto, yeah. Um, whenever he's kidnapped Makoto and he's going to take her to his empire. Mm-hmm. They, they get away, but there's that shot where you see one of the agents in the silver swim gear pop their head out of the water, you know, from <laughs> a distance. Yeah. And then you see another, and then you see another, and it's just this slow realization that there's more of them and they're all right there and they're coming to get all of them. Uh, yeah, and it's it's really well done. It's it's one of those creepy elements um, from the beginning scene that I that stuck with me, and, and I really thought that aspect of the film was really strong. Yeah, it almost made you, in a in a way, it kind of made me want them to be a little more alien or almost a little more like subterranean in a mm-hmm. way. Because mm-hmm. their suits are so like fish-like, almost. Yeah, th- they were cool. I, I wish I wish cool. we had more terror with them. You know, like a yes. little bit more mystery uh, with them. That would have been cool. Anyway, let's go ahead and do our rating and ranking and final review here of this film. And Alex, why don't you start us off this time? All right. So I like this film. I like the way it. T- tackles some of its themes even though it does not deliver on some of them i do appreciate that it puts in the effort i also love the atragon it is like the coolest ship so far maybe even cooler Mm -hmm. than the sy3 or maybe even the super x uh the atragon just i mean it's not cooler than final wars you know but nothing's cooler than final wars so um (laughs) you mean that submarine and final wars yeah well, that is Atragon. It just yeah, goes it by a different name. Yeah. Was, yeah, that's what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why it's the only thing it wouldn't be cooler than. Oh, right, itself. right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I really like that. I, I actually like that Manda is really not even in this. Mm-hmm. The ending is pretty phenomenal. 
The only problem I really have with the film is it's how it handles its tone because it doesn't give us that sense of urgency, that, that sense of impending doom to make it feel like the Moo got what they deserved. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, yeah, uh, like, like they, when you rationalize it and you think about what's about to happen and all this stuff, it does make sense that extreme measures had to be taken to save the entire world. But when it actually happens, I'm not thinking about the entire world. I'm just thinking about them saving Makoto, and as a result, <laughs> mm-hmm. c- c- committing a little a little bit of a dash of genocide, I guess. And <laughs> and you know, it's that that kind of complicates things a little bit. I do think the movie might be a little too long. I don't know how many times I have to watch this submarine go in and out of the of Moo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, everything else is kind of enjoyable. I, I, I enjoy, at least enjoy the characters. Uh, but I think the film, the film's mishandling of the tone. <laughs> Are you okay over there, Eric? I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, th- I think the tone is really the biggest detriment to the film. But overall, this thing is a breath of fresh air for me. I really enjoyed it. I I never knew what was going to happen, and so I'm probably gonna I'm gonna give this a, a four out of five. Nice. No, I like that. I like that because I I'm slightly uh, lower than you on this film, um, yeah. which you know recently hasn't been happening. You know, uh, no. and honestly, I expected to really like this film uh, with the first. 20 minutes of it and i did there's a lot to like here i I definitely enjoyed myself watching this film but as i reflected back on it uh some of the things that you mentioned some of the things that we talked about just kept coming back up for me and for me there is this this difficult balance of tones um there are some standout moments and there are also some standout characters and some standout relationships, right? We've talked about the captain Mm -hmm. and the daughter, and I do think that has played out really, really well. But then the development of the Moot Empire leaves me with some lingering questions. The development of some of the themes I think could have been explored a bit more, especially since we did put the monsters on the back burner for this film. Mm-hmm. But I do like I do like the effects. I do like the Atragon, as you mentioned. And I do think like this is a monster movie. It's just not the type of monster movie we've come to expect. Yes. So um I am gonna give this film a three out of five. Oh, and wow. so for me of, of the Toho films, and we'll hash this out more next week in our uh you know, the G adjacent G adjacent. Uh, Toho series wrap up. Um, I, I think I think there's just um, it, it, it's it's going to be between. I think I like this one more than Varan. I'll say that I like it more than Varan. Well, I sure. hope so. Oh yeah, my god, I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, we won't we won't go any further there. So okay, because I, I might have some interesting takes on my first opinions of movies that I rated highly, which I still, I still like them, but things may have changed or improved. Mm. We'll see. We'll mm. see. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I might have a few changes as well. There, there's a couple films that maybe I was a little high on at first, but 
but and I still like these films, but maybe I'll adjust my score just a little bit. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, next week. Interesting. Next week. Score adjusting. Score adjusting. <laughs> now, Alex, uh, do I need to buy you some time this week for rhyme time? Well, I, we ne- uh, as far as I know, we didn't settle on a name for what our recap is going to be, right? Right. So I need to know. <laughs> I didn't need to know. I just, I just kind of uh, came up with something. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> you want me to um, give it to you? So, no, uh, yeah. Yeah. X gonna. All right. All right. Let <laughs> Eric's me gonna give it to me. Let me start. I'll try to go slow. And then (laughs) you can think of yours, all right? For the G-adjacent Toho staples, will our recap turn the tables, or will we stick with our simple labels? Oh, Eric. Very good. Oh, so... You sound patronizing when you talk to me like this, Alex. I know, I know. (laughs) So, (laughs) all right. At the end of the G-adjacent Toho, will Eric and Alex come to blow, or... Will we glow with joy? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. You had it. You had it, and then you had it. (laughs) No, I I just tricked you. No, it doesn't rhyme. Never mind. (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, I got distracted. Uh, People will hear it at the end of the credits. Uh, it, it's all good <laughs> yeah that's the only reason you are prepared so that, stick around that's right anyway as always you can follow us on twitter and instagram at mvm underscore pod you can follow me and alex on letterbox eric neely and alex Cornette. you can email us mvmpod at gmail.com you can support us on patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod and become a member of the bargain basement club and if you feel so led leave us a review on itunes that review really helps Monsters vs. Men, Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week. Try, try to, to stay, stay <laughs> alive. alive. Hang on, I think one's having a nightmare. Hang on. Sounds like she's talking about the toilet. A toilet nightmare. No, she wants to get on the potty. So that's a good sign. That is, except for she's half asleep. So please don't bring her down here. Okay. She's taking her to the upstairs bathroom. Oh, okay. So we're wrapping up our G adjacent Toho. Will we come to blow or will we throw? Oh my God. I have a child screaming still. Well, (laughs) it sounds like they're having a blast up there now. Um, (laughs) Sorry. I can't tell if it screams or tears of joy. You're good. Start to start your, start your rhyme over in a second. Oh, now we're talking about going to grandpa, grandpa's house. (laughs) What did she do? She pooped. Oh, oh, Oh!
I'm celebration. so proud of you. Alex, just getting rewards for pooping children. This better make this better make uh, the cut at the end. We better get Alex's take of. I'm so proud of you. She pooped. <laughs>